0: Hey everybody, this is Float On. This podcast gives you guidance and insight in seeing more beauty along the river ride that is life. You can't go back. You can only learn and move forward. I'm your host and producer, Dahlia Jean, and I'm super excited that you're here with me as we learn together and inevitably float on. So hey there, I hope everyone's doing good today. Today's episode centers around the signs of seeing toxic, abusive relationship traits and how to really overcome it as a survivor. My guest today is super special. Her name is Marissa Faye Cohen. She's an award-winning and best-selling author of Breaking Through the Silence series, Breaking Through the Silence, The Journey to Surviving Sexual Assault, which was a 2018 Reader's Favorite International Book Award winner and a number one international bestseller, and she's got another book called Breaking Through the Silence, Hashtag Men 2 which was an Amazon number one bestseller as well. She's the founder of the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, and she's created a three-key method to overcoming narcissism and narcissistic abuse. Over 2,000 people have used this philosophy to start living a free, confident, and peaceful life through her one-on-one coaching pro- programs. Marissa F. Cohen was named a Top 10 Most Inspirational Female Entrepreneur on International Women's Day 21 by Fast Capital 360, as she shared the stage with Jack Canfield, Patty Aubrey, and James Malinchak. Marissa's podcast, Healing from Emotional Abuse has ranked top 20 in relationship podcasts in New Zealand and top 200 podcasts in Australia under the category relationships along in New Zealand and South Africa. So I am so excited for you guys to hear this talk with Marissa. She just has so much good stuff to say about relationships and you know even if you feel like you've never been in a toxic relationship you might be surprised and learn something new here today as we talk about some of the signs and the traits of what this really means to be interacting with a toxic person or someone who's narcissistic or abusive. So I'm just pumped and I think we should just jump right into the conversation. So here is me chatting with Marissa. So here we are today with my guest, Marissa Cohen. Did I say that right? Yeah, Cohen. Cohen, Or Cohen. Okay. We're here with Marissa Cohen today and I'm so excited to have her. She is totally awesome. We're going to talk about Um, all of the awesome stuff that she's doing in her life coming from struggles and hardships and everything and she's just she's doing such amazing things for other people. So, hi Marissa, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Good. I'm so so excited to
0: have you here and I I just know that this is going to be like such a great conversation for my listeners to pull great stuff from for their lives. So, I'm I'm super glad that you're here and going to be spending time with us today. Thank you.
1: Oh, of course. Thank you for having me. And I I hope I'm helpful. <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. I know it. I just know you're going to be awesome. So why don't we just dive right in? I'm going to have you tell us a little bit about some of the important moments in your life where you kind of realized that you were a lifelong learner and maybe what led you to that point.
1: Sure. So um, when I was 19, I was in an abusive relationship and that's pretty much what started off my journey, right? So I was struggling through trying to figure out what love was because I came from such a a happy household that was put together and we were functional and loving. And then on the other side of my life, in my romantic life, I was trying to figure out why it didn't feel right, why everything that I said was stupid or everything I did was stupid and just kind of trying to figure out why that was disconnected. And- Gosh, that's a, that's interesting because I was thinking the other day
0: too, like I come from a family where my parents were divorced early on and I didn't have the best support. So it'll be interesting to hear like how you made that connection because you always think, oh, well, if I grew up you know, and I had this, or if I had that, I wouldn't have ended up in this situation. And here you are now, total opposite upbringing. And yet you're like, I got to figure out how to make this connection. Like, why are things weird? Tell me about it. That sounds really interesting.
1: So it's it's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of people say that, you know, oh, well, if you come from a a broken home, Mm -hmm. you're more likely to be in an abusive relationship. And that's true to a point. For me, I think a lot of my influence in what I perceived as a a good romantic relationship came from movies. Now, movies about real, legit, healthy relationships would be super boring, right? It'd be two people sitting on the couch watching TV for like 10 hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not what we see in movies. We perceived happy relationships as struggle and fighting and arguments and a little bit of chaos, right? And then Mm -hmm. eventually in the end, it all comes together and it, it's healthy and beautiful and wonderful. That's not true. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not accurate. So did you have, did you, your parents were
1: married when you grew up? Yep, my parents. And you felt like you had like a good upbringing yeah my parents were always kissing in front of me and not like not like you know yeah yeah but but they showed love they They were loving and they were supportive of each other and kind and my little brother and i grew up and we're best friends like it was just never an issue in the household about dysfunctional love or yeah um chaotic love right right just very very yeah so so then fast forward
0: you're 19 you're in this relationship and you start questioning like. Like, why are things not adding up?
1: And it didn't even really occur to me at that point that what was happening wasn't right. I just didn't understand how it went from a great relationship at the very Mm -hmm. beginning, right? Because abuse doesn't start off by being punched in the face. Right, right. You wouldn't say, you know, so it it started off kind and thoughtful and charming and loving. And we went on dates to these really nice sushi restaurants and we walked on the beach at night and he held my hand. And then all of a sudden it was like a, a switch flipped and then it started mm. downward spiraling really fast. And that's what had me confused because I just really wanted my loving, kind, compassionate yeah. boyfriend back. And instead I was getting this person who was always demeaning me in front of people, always telling me how stupid I was. And th- I was never going to amount to anything. And I wasn't worthy of love. And my, my favorite of all time was that I was lucky to have him because nobody oh, else would put up with me.
0: Yeah. How long, how long were you guys together until that really started to go in that direction?
1: Ooh, So we started dating the beginning of October and um officially started being my boyfriend girlfriend thing the end of October and I mm-hmm. want to say by January it had hit like my my rock bottom so from my wow end of so October, it was pretty quick very fast it was crazy I didn't even see it coming and then I couldn't figure out what was wrong for months. How long did you stay? Um, so we were together until March and then we broke up and then we were on and off again until the December next. So it was a little over a year altogether.
0: Yeah. Which is tough because you know, that type of person, while they're so good at telling you that you're the lucky one. They're also really good at reminding you that, you know, if you leave, you're going to be sorry and all this stuff, right? And they actually kind of get in your head. I've been in a relationship like that before and you have these moments of like clarity where you know something's not right and then you're so busy being caught up in that emotional turmoil. It's that constant bubbling over of like his emotions and your emotions or your partner, whoever, you know, and and you're, you're constantly on like cleanup crew. So you're distracted. You're not able to think about what is right, wrong for you, what you need.
1: Right. You know, the way you put it, emotional turmoil, that's brutal. Yeah. Because it's true. They keep you so, abusers and narcissists keep you so hung up on just kind of catching your breath mm-hmm. that. They, that's how they string you along because you get so used to the up and down and the, the happy and the chaos and, and the balancing act that you mm-hmm. don't even realize what's happening and how unhealthy that is. And then it, yeah. the adrenaline kicks in. I mean, it really just shifts your whole biology. You become addicted to that highs and lows momentum and chaos and craziness so that yeah. when you do have a healthy relationship later, it doesn't feel right. It's not exciting, right? It's it's boring. Yeah. It's, oh, we get along too well. Like that doesn't feel right to me because I'm so used to right. to fight or feeling like I'm getting yes. You know, attacked. Yes, I've always thought
0: of it too, of, you know, if you imagine yourself on like some sort of a scale like a graph where you know your happy steady is like zero right and then you have like your highs and your lows like your positives and your negatives and then when you're in this relationship that's like abusive they're really good at giving you those high highs because they're going to give you those low lows and that's that spectrum that you have with them whereas like you're saying in a relationship that's healthy that that span might not be as high as Or low. It's a little bit closer to baseline in both directions. And then that's where you feel that absence of like, am I not having like this thrill? Which isn't really it's it's abuse you right. know but you you think of it that way somehow you just like get caught up in that where it's like that extreme i would die for you i would do anything for you type mentality is what they kind of demand and sort of suck you into and it's just it's so hard i know you have a book called breaking through the silence correct
1: correct i actually have two books in that series one is called breaking through the silence this the journey to surviving sexual assault which is my story stories mixed with 19 other survivors and 18 uh, professionals in several fields to basically create a manual for survivors, how they can get help, how they can feel relatable to know they're not alone. And then a second one, breaking through the silence. Hashtag men too, because I feel like men. Oh, miss- I
0: love that. Thank
1: you. I feel like the Me Too movement missed men, and when men tried yeah. to get involved, they yeah. kind of got pushed to the side, and that wasn't fair mm-hmm. because we're one. And they're of-
0: dismissed. Right. Right. And emotional abuse can come from a woman too. Absolutely. You know, it, it can it can come from anybody, and it's all just about the relationship that you're in. Whoever it is, your partner, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, it doesn't matter you <laughs> It can come from anyone.
1: Friends, and I family. do
0: agree with you on that. I've thought about that same thing because while I understand the Me Too movement, I totally get it. I think that in this current climate we're in, where mental health in general is just, it's so needed for so many people. There are so many people out there, regardless of gender or identity, that are struggling. And to have the specific movement, i while I totally get it, I do agree with you. It would be interesting to read that book. Do you have, are your books in audio too or just print?
1: Just print for now, but I'm working on okay. audio books. They should be out by the end of the year.
0: Oh, that would be exciting. I'm an audiobook girl big time. Me too. I'm a, I just feel like I go, go, go. And by the end of the day, I am so like tired that I try to read a print book and I'm like snoozing.
1: I'm the same I way. just get
0: too tired. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I need to be like, for me, working out is my like podcast and audiobook time. And I'm a painter too. So when I paint and work on my commission work, that's my time to like, I put my earphones on and I just, I'm gone. See ya. I'm, I'm <laughs> but it's way. great. You know, you can do more than one thing at once. I love it. It's <laughs> awesome. Gosh. So this philosophy that you have, this healing from emotional abuse philosophy, I don't want you to tell us all about it because I think everyone should check out your book, but could you give us like a little snippet of what that is? Sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the healing from abuse philosophy is a three-step process to overcoming abuse. And it can be any kind of abuse. It can be sexual assault, domestic violence, narcissism, emotional abuse, anything you've experienced as long as you hit these three keys and they're working in in conjunction with each other uh, okay you- so it's not
0: necessarily a step by step it's like here's three pillars that you need to kind of address
1: right but they do they do have to go in an order or else it's confusing. So the first thing you have to do, according to my healing from emotional abuse philosophy, is to release. And you can release a lot of different ways. It can be talking about your abuse, forgiving yourself, forgiving your abuser. It can be writing a book about it, whatever you need to do, going to therapy to help you release and get that heaviness off your chest. Not to
0: interrupt your steps, but I'm kind of curious about your release during this so you were in this relationship right and did you break it off or did he
1: I did I did good every time <laughs>
0: it was it was always every me. time good <laughs> No, seriously, that's so good for you because it's that strength of knowing this isn't right and even though you guys were on and off, you still never lost sight of, this is not right. So you you break it off finally, right? You're done with him. I
1: am breaking. I break it off finally, like the last last straw. Can I curse on here or is that not okay? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So I actually uprooted my life and moved to Israel across the ocean because I couldn't you take did. it anymore and um, I needed to be away. I was still... How old were you? Were you 19 still? I had just 20. turned 20. Oh my gosh, girl.
0: I moved away when I was 22. Enough.
1: I think we were meant to meet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I packed up my car and dipped. I moved down to Charleston, South Carolina from Cleveland and literally just took whatever fit in my car
1: and dipped out. Awesome. I packed two duffel bags on October 3rd on <laughs> your birthday Oh my gosh!
0: (laughs) Shut up! Oh my gosh, we—I think we need to have like life talks forever and just sort all this out. Maybe we're like super connected and long lost soul sisters or something. Oh my god, that's awesome! Yes, there's too many signs. (laughs) We guys listeners before we went on air Marissa were, and I were already like wait there's so many we have like weird things in common and just like dates that coincide and like things in our lives I'm sure you've had this happen to you with people but it's always so much fun and then you're like oh I got to pick this girl's brain I got to know everything like are we living our lives in parallel some, somehow um, so you dipped out to Israel I with moved two out bags. to
1: Israel Yep so my uncle came to visit um when I was living in New Jersey And he said, I'm affiliated with this school in Israel. You should apply. And I said, I'm not going to get in. I still had really low confidence. And I I was so. Was that a college? This was in a college. Yeah, I was still in college. And so he said, I'm affiliated with a university in Israel. Just apply. See if you get in. So I did begrudgingly. And I got in. And about a week later, I booked a flight, jumped on a plane, packed two duffel bags and left. (laughs)
0: obsessed that's amazing (laughs) that's actually great though because it was a school so I'm assuming you just did room and board there
1: yep so wow I went to um had apartments throughout the city and it was in Herzliya Israel which is about 10 minutes north of Tel Aviv and so we all were just assigned apartments and I had this awesome roommate that I got super close with from Belgium we're still great friends oh my gosh (laughs) I love that that is the coolest thing ever was it
0: super healing being away then yeah. after leaving your act?
1: So we were still together for about two months while I was there. Um, wow. We would talk all the time. Uh, on the phone and he would call and check in constantly. He just needed to have control over what what, what I was doing. And if I went out with girlfriends or with guy friends, he had something nasty to say about it. It was all about demeaning me enough that I wouldn't let him go. And so finally I was having, I was on my way to a club with my Belgian roommate and her friend and her friend took my phone, read his messages and was like, girl, just tell him to suck your dick and get out. And so, and that was it. (laughs) And so I, it like took me about five minutes to process what she said. And then I reread what, what he had already sent me. And I was like, you know what? You're so right. So I sent him suck my dick and then I blocked his number and that was it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That had to have been the most empowering thing, though. It was so scary at first because I was used to him slapping back or whatever it's called, jabbing back. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I was so... But, but you were far away. I was so you far away. You were safe. I was safe, but it didn't feel that way because he still had so much control over me. I mean, he was yeah. calling me nonstop. He was texting me all the time, always checking in to see what I was doing. And it's not like he didn't have my phone number. You know, right. Like, all he had to do was take his brother's phone and call me, but he didn't, he never did. And so I never heard from him. So that night was stressful. And then after that, it was, it got so much easier. And I was able to start talking about it little by little to people that were in Israel with me, like my roommate, um, some of yeah. my girlfriends, you know, there was a night I got drunk and told my group of girlfriends, everything. And yeah. that was really, really healing for me, even though I was yeah really drunk. Well, and
0: it's kind of scary in the moment too. Like almost like you're admitting something that you did, just tolerating it. Almost you feel like it's your fault because you were like you put up with it or whatever, you know. But when you start talking about it, like you're saying, I feel like it definitely makes it real enough that you can create your own closure,
1: you know. Right. And it was it was scary because I had only talked about it one time before that, and it was a very positive response. But still, I mean, I was afraid of judgment. I was afraid that people were going to... I thought I was at fault because I had put up with it. So talking about it was really, really hard, but the more Mm -hmm. I spoke about it, the more people shared stories back, you know, Oh, I had an experience like that too, but I never told anybody because I didn't think anybody else experienced this. And the more I talked about it, the more I realized just how common it was. Oh my gosh. It's so
0: common, right?
1: You can hear a statistic every day, right? One in three women, one in four women, one in five men, one in six men. It's so nuts. And that number means nothing until you humanize it so it right. was not just me it was me and sarah and sarah mm-hmm. and kaysa and all these people yeah. and i was i was floored at how, how many people in my circle were affected. Yeah. And so that was really I think incredible. that's
0: really the fact that your book is you and, what did you say, 19 other people? Yep. I mean, how powerful is that? It's like a compilation of stories that you can connect with and real stuff, you know? I think that that's another thing where it's like you're sort of sugarcoating things when you choose to talk about it but not get into, like, some of the, you know, true feelings and, like, things that happened where people can connect with those things, you know? Right. To not do that and just say like, oh, it's okay. You know, you can get past it or, you know, whatever. Just find your peace and move on. Like, well, no, some people need to have a sense of identity within that situation to realize that they're actually the victim. Look at you and me. We're both sitting here admitting that we felt at fault somehow for being in a relationship like that. So how many other people feel that way? You know, until you see someone else and you're like, oh my gosh, they're the victim. Totally. Like, they didn't deserve that. Well, you got to talk to yourself that way, too. You know, imagine yourself as in terms of if you were your
1: own friend, what would you say? Right. So there's an exercise that I do with my clients, especially when they're feeling like this, when they feel like, you know, well, I let them do this to me. So this is really my fault. I should have said, no, I should have pushed them away. I should have, but you know, your brain steps in, shuts you down and you're in survivor mode. You have no control over how you react. So one of the things that I do with my clients is I do this exercise. I learned it from a therapist friend. You set two chairs facing each other. You sit in one and you keep the other one empty and you put whoever you need to in that chair whether it's you from five years ago or you as a child or your abuser or your mother or your best friend whoever it is you need to talk to right now talk to them in an empty chair and you could do it in a room by yourself and it is so therapeutic and it's marissa i just got the chills (laughs) just imagining like i have people
0: i need to sit down in the chair yeah I literally just had a moment over the weekend with a dear friend of mine, and she's like my one person that we just can tell each other anything, no judgment ever. And we had a few margaritas, <laughs> and uh, I was started getting emotional. We got onto the topic of a friend that is not much around anymore. She's going through her own stuff right now, you know. And while she's struggling with things, it's tough when a person who's struggling pushes you away and sort of then says things to you like, you know, they don't mean, but at the same time, you're like, dude, I'm over here worried about you every day she's being very dismissive about how I feel about the situation like you don't understand what I'm going through blah 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 and it's like I, you're right I don't you don't talk to me like you know just I'm going through a hard time with a, a friend who I've been close to for a long time and man it all came out on Saturday with the margaritas man I was crying and just like I had to get it all out and the next day I talked to my friend and she's like you know how you feeling you alright and I told her I was like I don't know I feel like in, on some levels I got my closure just saying everything I needed to say. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So I can imagine how powerful, like, I feel like I need to do that. I need to get the chairs out and sit down. There's a few other people
1: I need to talk to. Yeah. And you can say anything you want because you're not actually talking to that person. Yeah. Yeah. In- like tangibly in human. Form. Right. Yeah. And so it, it really allows you to just let it gosh, out. I used to get it all out. Oh my gosh. I used to put Dave, my, my abusive ex in that chair and I'd be like, you bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> you did this and you did this and you're an asshole and da, 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 da. you know, and, and, you know, as silly as it was and thinking back, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I didn't need to say some of those things, but it was what I needed at the time. And it allowed me to be way more capable of expressing myself to the people who I needed to. You're right.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. And it's funny how like, you know, you have these thoughts in your brain, you can sit there and do the dialogue, run through the thoughts in your head over and over and over and over again. But the mind tends to sort of think in circles if you don't, if you don't get it out somehow. If you don't write it down or you don't talk like you're saying, even just talking to an empty chair really does help. You know, you're literally getting it out. Cry about it, write about it, sing about it,
1: walk, walk about it. Do whatever you got to do, but you got to get it out. You know. And I've done all of those things. I wrote a book about it. I wrote a song about it. <laughs> I love I that about it publicly, and and it really. Like you said, it it helps so much. It like changes everything because you walk around with this heaviness in your chest and you just don't know what to yeah. do. And the second you start really releasing and like letting it out, you just feel lighter. Like your shoulders go back and like, you know, your chin is up again. It's, yes. it's magical.
0: Oh my gosh. I know people, some people just bottle stuff up and it's scary because you just imagine for me, I'm an emotional person. I, it comes out. Sorry, if I got to cry, I'm like, that's it. There's no, you know, (laughs) or if I got something to say, if I got feelings about something, usually I'm, it's like in terms of caring for someone, I'm a fixer, you know, like I want to help people and I want to whatever. That's why I do this podcast. Like it's a good outlet for me to talk about things that I feel in terms of how to make your life better, how to fix your own problems, how to learn from life, you know. And I just think that's so great that you've turned this situation that you had into to something that truly people can use as a vehicle for healing in their own lives. Thank you. <laughs> it's It really is awesome. I love it. And I'm going to – I got to check out your books. Maybe I'll buy them for the summer. Or If you said they're going to be an audio, maybe I'll wait for the audio book. But yeah, guys, they're called Breaking Through the Silence, The Journey to Surviving Sexual Assault. That one was in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have Breaking Through the Silence, hashtag men too. I love that. It's the number one bestseller on Amazon? Both of them were. <laughs> Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you so much. That's a huge accomplishment, man. Gosh, (laughs) that must feel so good, especially knowing that like you were writing with a purpose. You had this true deep-rooted purpose of I'm going to be bigger and better than what I was when I was in that relationship. I'm going to turn it around and help other people.
1: It definitely – it was definitely a rewarding process, but it also kind of made me sad in a way because if that many people needed the books – You know, that means that there's such a problem and it's really in my face about it, you know, and it's a beautiful, it was a beautiful bittersweet, right? It was exactly it was bittersweet. It was a great accomplishment for me, but it just made me see that there's so much more that needs to be done.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. There's a big stigma around this. I don't even want to use the word mild, but I just feel like it's emotional abuse that isn't so severe that people sort of just dismiss it or overlook it. Or like you said, they just feel like, oh, I don't know, it's something I dealt with with this person in particular, you know. But if you're dealing with a manipulator, a narcissist, anyone who's emotionally trying to control you or tell you how to feel, they're constantly judging you, making the calls on what you amount to. These are all signs, right?
1: Yeah. I have um, a free ebook if anybody's interested about the signs of a toxic relationship. You can grab it on my website at marissafaycohen.com slash signs of a toxic relationship. It's that.
0: <laughs> it's exactly oh, yeah. You have it. And you have it linked in the show notes, too. I'll have it in the show notes. You've got it. marissafaycohen.com slash signs of a toxic relationship with dashes in between. Yep. Yeah, that's great. It's definitely uh, something that I think we all need to almost like if you think you're in a good relationship, double check. Like literally, everybody should be aware of these signs of a toxic relationship because, like you said, it started out great and then it took a turn. And, and I didn't you were even see it, you know? Yeah, you didn't see it coming, and you had spent so much time growing up in a in a way emotionally where everything just kind of worked naturally and then all of a sudden you're like wait what is the deal like what's going on how do I fix this you know and all these questions start coming up it can get really scary and then before you know it you're not sleeping you're anxious all the time your eating patterns change you physically start suffering from stress I've been through that like there was one point I was going through some stuff in my life and I was in the emergency room I thought I was having a heart attack I mean it was that bad. Like the pains in my chest were so strong and they strapped me up to everything, you know, because I'm like, I think I'm having a heart attack. I can't breathe. I couldn't hardly talk like, and they strapped me up. They're like, you are healthy top to bottom. You don't have a single thing that's alarming, even close. Maybe you're just really stressed out and you need a counselor. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. And so that was my, that was when I started, I was like, shoot, I need to reach out for help. You know, it's tough when you, I think You're either the kind of person who bottles it up or you're like me where you're a fixer and you're trying to, you know, you're just telling yourself all the time, like, I'm okay. It's okay. I'm I'm okay. But you're not okay, you know?
1: Or, Or you can be the kind of person that convinces yourself you're crazy for feeling the way you feel. And so instead of bottling it up or letting it out, you just, you know, start to really bash yourself, take it out on yourself, leaving, you know, leaving you open to even even more mistreatment and abuse.
0: Yeah. So after this relationship, you you write these books, right? And in the meantime, because the books came years later, a number of years later, mm-hmm. how How do you feel like you learned from this relationship and did you date soon
1: after or do you felt like you were super guarded? I was so I there's there's two real main ways that you react (laughs) to abuse, right? You either go balls to the wall, like trying to resolve it yourself or you Mm -hmm. totally withdraw. I mean, there's also gray area in the middle, but generally, yeah, those two after my abusive relationship, he also sexually assaulted me. And that was my first experience with that. So I left feeling like there was this big, just empty hole in my stomach. And I can't explain it out better than that. Like I just felt empty and I felt like I got shot with a cannonball, like a cartoon through the stomach. Yeah. And so I thought because it was my first experience that that was normal. And that, you know, after sex, you just kind of feel that way. And like the more time the more times you have sex and the more people you have sex with will fill that void. And so yeah. I went down the promiscuous path where I wasn't just, you know, jumping into bed with every guy I saw, but I definitely wasn't treating my body like a temple. Right.
0: <laughs> So well, and you were you were disassociating your feelings from sex because you thought that's what you were supposed to do.
1: Yeah, I thought that was normal. You know? I didn't think I was yeah. supposed to enjoy it. I didn't think I was supposed to feel anything. I figured that, you know, he's my boyfriend. Boyfriends and girlfriends have sex. That is that's love, right? That's how you tell someone you love them is by having right. sex with them. And so even though I wasn't ready, I didn't want it and I didn't consent, I just wrote it off as this is normal. And my heart hurts for you. (laughs) It's okay. Because moving to Israel was the best thing I could ever do. It was allowing, it allowed me to get my bearings, start to heal. And then I met a person who, um, pretty much helped me retrain my brain into what I should expect from relationship, what sex should be like and how, how to learn how to respect myself and things like that. So yeah, it was all, it was all a journey. And so From then to now, I learned so much from... Telling my story and talking to other people, I learned about how people react to sexual assault and domestic violence, and how varied the the reactions in the aftermath are. So, mm-hmm. for me, walking down the street or even just like being on the train going into the city, I'll see things and be like, "Ooh, that's not healthy." And then my fiance will be like, "How do you know that?" And I'll say, "Well, if you look at these things, this is all the signs." So I am yeah. a lifelong learner. I'm always learning about reactions and how people heal and and how people hide, you know, hide their abuse and, and try and rationalize it and, and logic their way out of these really tough situations.
0: That's awesome. And you continue to share on your podcast, right? You have a podcast.
1: I do. It's called the- Tell us about it. Sure. It's called The Healing. It's called Healing from Emotional Abuse. And on my podcast, we talk about things like attachment styles and how to build confidence. And I bring on survivors to talk about their stories. This past summer in 2020, the wrestling community or the wrestling industry had um, a wrestling speaking out movement. And a lot of people in the wrestling community have been abused and harassed by other wrestlers, by fans, by promoters and bookers. And I did a whole series on that. That's actually my next Breaking Through the Silence book. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That's so cool.
0: That's that's really awesome that you're doing that and you're, you know, thinking about these unexpected facets of social culture that have these elements that are just totally
1: overlooked. Absolutely. It's, it's really horrible, right? When we think of men being sexually assaulted, we automatically think jail or prison, right? When we think of women being sexually assaulted, we generally will go to college or relationships. And that's not it. That's not everything right only right.
0: there's people. no cookie cutter
1: right it doesn't affect one type of person it affects everybody it doesn't matter your gender your sex your socioeconomic status it nothing it, it yeah. matters if you are targeted and have you know a way like have the knowledge and know how To get out of it. So now, I mean, how would you say, as
0: you have mentioned, you're a lifelong learner? What do you feel like are the things that you do now that you help you learn through life? Like, do you have certain things that you're doing?
1: I am always learning. I'm learning from people. I'm learning from you. I'm learning from everybody around me because everybody has a story. Everybody has reactions. Everybody has things and experiences that happen that have happened to them. And the only thing I can hope to do is try and understand where everybody is coming from and try and learn as much as I can about people and how I can help people and how we as a society can help people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's huge for me too, is like learning and talking with other people. It's been a huge part of my life and gaining perspective and just learning empathy. When you learn empathy for others, you also learn empathy for yourself and you learn to give yourself that same sort of treatment, which is so, so necessary. You know, like when we were talking about just seeing the signs of being in an abusive relationship Knowing that it's not a cookie cutter scenario, that you literally could come across this at any point in time, depending on who you're with, and that the signs don't come up right away usually. There's that honeymoon phase and that you're going to be emotionally invested in someone by the time they start showing you these things, these qualities and these abusive habits that they have. They're good at sucking people in. And then you're there. Like sometimes you lock out and someone comes off crazy and you're like, oh never mind, third date, gotta go. But most of the time it's after.
1: Yeah. They build that foundation of of trust and love. And especially we see really, really often now is love bombing. Do you know what love bombing is? No. So love bombing is basically when an abuser or a narcissist will just overwhelm you with love and text messages and always be there and try and take up all your time because they want to spend as much time with you as they can and they make you feel so wanted and so just overwhelmed and overjoyed with like love and yeah. happiness and it just spikes your dopamine levels and then you're smitten right when you have right that's giving you that positive attention all the time you're like oh I want that I want more <laughs> of that. And then then they're learning your patterns. They're isolating you from people. They are doing everything they can to, to figure out how to control you. And so love bombing is really dangerous. Now, I'm not saying that if somebody is bringing you flowers, automatically they're an abuser.
0: Right. No, I totally get what you're saying. Love bombing is, I've been there now that you've mentioned it and you've put a term to it. It's a full 360 surrounding of All aspects, like the physical, the emotional, the gestures, the time, the contact, everything comes together and it's just this constant. And I wonder sometimes if they do that, like what is the psychology behind that? Are they doing it to help make up for what they know they're going to do in the future or what they have done in last week? Or is it just... A habit that they get into because they themselves emotionally are
1: like on a roller coaster. So I I can't speak for the abusers psychology as far as like knowing ahead of time what they're going to do. I know that I know that there's a system. Right. They have a system in place that gets them where they need to be in your life. Right. So love bombing is a way of surrounding you with love and positivity and happiness so that they can control you. They learn your patterns. They learn who your friends are and how to get you out of situations with your friends. They learn what makes you tick right? They figure out everything about you that they need to know. So if I was, let's say, having a fight with my mom, okay, and I was being love bombed by a boyfriend, they would immediately take my side and be like, oh, your mom, your mom is really nasty to you, isn't she? I would never treat you like that. Here, let me buy you dinner. Let's talk about that. And and just be really like cling on to that to try and isolate yeah. from your parent. Or it's really all about learning patterns and learning yes. how to remove other people and stimuli from your circle.
0: Yes. Gosh. And I think it's important to note too that if you're feeling this way, if you feel like you're connecting and you're like, oh man, what, am I in a toxic relationship? it's important to note that the way you experience your emotions is actually different than the way someone like that experiences their emotions to them emotions are currency they are pow- they are a trade on power and they are using those emotions to control you like what marissa is saying it's it's not about a genuine happy they're not thinking about genuinely making you happy without expecting something in return so there's always a trade-off there. And they're most of the time, they're expecting more from you than they're going to give you in the grand scheme of things. Wouldn't you agree, Marissa?
1: Absolutely. So something you, you mentioned, I want to just kind of snowball off of, but Relation abusive relationships are all about power and control. It's not about love. It's not about wanting to be around you. It's about having power and maintaining control. And that's all they want. So they will do whatever right. it takes to get that power and hold on to it. Right.
0: And you're property to them. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. You're not a partner. you know, you're not an equal. They don't see things that way. And honestly, I don't know if there's a way to change that. They would have to learn uh, in hindsight, you know, and that's where I think it comes to the decision of, like how you said, you had to be the one to break it off. And for me, in my abusive relationship, I was the one to break it off. Where normally I'm the fixer and I'm the one that tries to stay and make it work and make it work. And I knew I had to go. There was no... (laughs) It wasn't, I wasn't going to change this person. You know what I mean? And I think that it's important to remember that if you're in a relationship like that, you feel like these things are sort of ringing some bells for you. These are alarms and we want you to completely and utterly take them to heart and walk around with them as your defense. Prepare yourself to be the stronger one and to walk away.
1: Absolutely. So, something we talked about earlier were red flags, right? Um, Yeah. The telltale signs, deflection and physical abuse, like the things that are right there in your face. But there's also yellow flags, and those are the Instinctual gut feelings You're like Oh this doesn't feel oh, right yes. But I don't know why You know why Why yes. am I second guessing Going out with this person Why do my friends Seem to be pulling away from me It's just like if You feel it But you don't really know What it is If you feel that Like that little twinge of This doesn't feel right But I don't know why Listen Please listen
0: that. Yellow flags It's true That inner voice Your intuition Whatever you want to call it It is extremely powerful And extremely extremely intelligent and it can definitely tell you the way you have to be willing to listen though yes you can't dismiss it even if it's a situation where you're like i can't act on this today don't forget don't just wake up the next day and think it's going to be better it's not one other thing that i think i wanted to build on too with you was when you have people in your life who genuinely have cared about you for a long time and now are, are sort of trying to bring forth some red flags Or some yellow flags about your partner. Listen. They still care. And they're not trying to steer you away from someone who truly loves you. They see the problems because they're on the outside. They're not emotionally controlled by this person. So you have to listen. You can't. We can't make the choices for you. We're your friends. We're going to be there for you. We're going to look out for you. But you have to make that decision ultimately. And you've got to muster up the guts to do it.
1: And on the other side of that coin, as a friend of somebody... Going through it, you have to understand that relationships aren't logical, right? You don't go into a relationship because, like, oh, this makes sense politically for me to be in a relationship with this person. It's all emotional. So when they don't see what you see, yelling and making a big scene and trying to give them an ultimatum, things like that, that would rationally make sense won't work. It will it will push them, it will push you away from them. They will then, because they're emotionally connected to that person, they're going to push you away and remove you from their circle. And that's dangerous. So where you sit as a support network, as an advocate, as a best friend is the worst place Because you you have a helpless feeling, right? Like you just want to shake them and be like, what are you doing? But you can't, (laughs) you just have to support them. You can plant seeds and say, Hey, you know, that doesn't seem right. Oh, they said that to you. Ooh, that's, ah, but don't outright say you have to break up with them because they're not right. Listen, So it's about playing the game, which
0: is the forbidden fruit mentality kicks in sometimes for people. Yeah, that's tough. So tough. But I think that listening to something like this, too, is a good way to determine where you stand with certain people, you know, and for us, I think normalizing this as a conversation that you can have with your friends, you can have these conversations with your family members, anyone that you're close to that you trust. It's not a knock on you if you're in a situation like this, you're not a lesson. person because of it. You know what I mean? Everybody knows that this is a situation that you're in, not by choice. And now you're emotionally involved. And, And so it's that journey of how do you get out of it? How do you become that stronger person so that you can walk away?
1: Absolutely.
0: It's tough. So Marissa, for anyone out there who is maybe dealing with struggles and connecting with some of what we've talked about here, which was, you know, basically just toxic and abusive relationships what would be some valuable advice i feel like you've given so much but if you had to pick out some heavy hitter strong big concepts that you want to share what would you what would you give them
1: so something that that i feel really strongly about is we as survivors don't get into this spot where we are alone right we have been brought to where we are by somebody else somebody else impacted our lives in such a horrible way that we feel victimized by them, or we feel like we're less of a person, or we're unworthy, or useless, whatever, whatever the verbiage is that they relate to you. So you can't expect to get out of it by yourself, right? Yeah. We we are humans, we're social creatures, and we need each other. And so for anybody out there who has experienced domestic violence, emotional abuse, narcissism, or sexual assault, know that you're not alone and seek somebody out. It doesn't have to be a therapist. It can be a coach. I'm a healing coach. It can be best friends. It can be changing the group of people that you surround yourself with to healthy people, but you're not alone and nobody expects you to overcome this alone. I sure as heck didn't overcome this alone. I had a ton of help. I had my family and I had amazing friends. And if I did not have that, if I tried to go this route, this path, this journey by myself, I would, I might have, I might have not made it.
0: Yeah. And sometimes you can continue into cycling through bad relationships. You know, you can move from one to the next because you, believe it or not, if you're not willing to do the work on yourself as a survivor, you can very easily fall into the trap of being attracted by someone who is similar in their mannerisms and their emotional processing and how they act. And then before you know it, you're in another relationship that's toxic or abusive, you know, which is really scary. So I think it is important to understand where you are. Acknowledge that you're a survivor. Acknowledge where you are and that you need to learn these signs so that you can defend yourself. And also, like you said, processing and releasing what you've been through. It's so important. Right. I love it. Marissa, it's been so much fun talking with you. And, you know, for anyone listening, you're going to have to just check out her books for the other two pillars of her, of her, <laughs> her philosophy, because we want you to check them out. And, and we think that you should and her podcast. I'm sure you share more on your podcast too, right?
1: I do. I go into all this stuff on my podcast as well.
0: <laughs> I love it, which I'm going to check out just because I have I feel like I'm a survivor too. And I think it's really, you know, valuable for me as well. So Marissa, thank you so, so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. And I hope to get you on my podcast next.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. That would be so fun. Awesome. Thank you again. Of course. Gosh, guys, I just have to say how completely powerful that conversation was. And if you're somehow connecting or feeling connected to some of the conversation that we had, um, or maybe you were in a full sense of alarm right now, because you're realizing like, whoa, something's going on in my own life please know that you're not alone and that you can reach out to me directly. You can reach out to Marissa directly. All of our social media accounts are linked in the show notes. Um, I may not know you personally, but I'll be there for you and kind of help direct you to what you may need and want. We can start picking up the pieces together. I mean, I mean that. So you can find more info about Marissa in the show notes and also at MarissaFayCohen.com. And as I let you go, I just want to relay our heartfelt thank you through the sound waves. As always, from my soul to yours, I appreciate your time. I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you love what you've heard, please give me a review and share this episode with someone you may feel benefit. Head on over to floatonpodcast.com. You can add us on social media and see updates. I'm your host and producer, Dahlia Jean, and until next time, float on!